to the Graduate Medicine Success Podcast. This is episode one of the series Life in the Time of Coronavirus. In this episode, we'll be talking to a Briton who is currently teaching English in China. My name is Eleanor and I run the blog and today we are talking to Harriet. Thank you for talking to us today. It was just over two weeks ago that you returned to China, bearing in mind that today is the 7th of April. So it was the midst of, and still is the midst of the pandemic. So what made you return to the original epicenter of the outbreak? Well, I came home to the UK in January for a holiday over the Chinese New Year, and that was only supposed to be two weeks. And then obviously uh, the outbreak occurred and it wasn't clear when they were going to reopen the school because everything closed. Um, and I, so I stayed in the UK for about three months and then my employers got in touch with me and said, uh, the cases are dropping. Would you like us to book you a flight back? Cause we're planning to open the school soon. So it went from all of my family, um, telling me, no, don't go back. Like, look at, look at the government guidelines. They're, warning against all but essential travel to China but then it seemed that the tables were turning and I just kind of trusted that things were settling down over there so I took my chances. So just just remind me did you fly into Hong Kong or straight into China mainland? Yeah I went via Dubai to Hong Kong in two chunks. Yeah and that was a flight you've well you've you've done a similar flight path before um, and I wondered if there was any extra paperwork or precautions when you landed. Yeah, we all got given a health declaration card um, on the flight. The only time I've ever had that kind of thing presented in advance was when I've been to America. So, yeah, this was like the first time flying out to Asia that I'd experienced that. And obviously it was uh declaring where I've been in the last 14 days and if I had any of the following symptoms. So I understand there's been some partial closure or complete closure of the Hong Kong-China border and I was wondering how exactly you got from Hong Kong into China mainland. Yeah so I got a taxi straight to the Shenzhen border um, and that was pretty straightforward. The roads were like completely dead. Um, mm. And then I wasn't really aware what it was going to be like on the other side. Um, I had been warned that I might go into quarantine or I'll just be allowed to quarantine at home. So I just assumed, okay, so I'm going to get through immigration and then get a taxi. Mm. Uh, the immigration, uh, you know, I prepared myself for the worst, but there's no, there's no really preparing for, uh, going into a foreign country in a time of crisis like this. So, yeah, I I had to fill out a lot of forms answering the same questions. Where have I been? Where am I from? Uh, if I had any of the symptoms, I was given disposable gloves. I was given hand sanitizer. And when I was queuing, um, yeah, I had to sit down with a separate personnel and uh, took my temperature with the mercury thermometer. Um, so yeah, there was just a lot of bureaucracy in filling in forms. Um, so they were taking it very seriously. Mm. And I had a mask on as well. And if I ever had to take it off to show my face for like the passport inspection, they would gesture for me to put it back on straight away. 
Um, yeah, even little details like uh, putting the fingerprint testing on on the um, immigration reader. Uh, they they were gesturing for me to sanitize that as well. So it was very thorough. Okay, and once you were in China itself, I mean, were there any additional precautions that they took because you were from the UK? Um, yeah, there was like a big red sign saying, if you have come from any of the following countries, please declare it basically. Um, mm -hmm. So when I went into the queue, which I thought was a taxi rank queue, I realized that it was uh, a queue to be processed, basically. Um, luckily, there was a guy who had very good English and he said, oh, sorry, you know, it's very last minute. A few people are getting annoyed because they haven't been given any notice, but you will you know, you will have to quarantine at home. So at first it wasn't very clear. So I was kind of like, okay, so where can I get my taxi? And he just looked at me and was like, oh no, you can't go home. Mm. I was like, right, okay, uh, okay. So he he basically said I had to go into a hotel for two days while they test me. Um, and he assured me that I wouldn't have to pay for it. So mm. I just I just said, okay, and and sat and waited, um, which ended up being a six-hour wait because they had all of these different district staff of the city working on these desks, and it appeared that the district that I live in, the staff had all gone home. So, yeah, it was kind of really bad timing. Um, you know, maybe if I'd got there 10 minutes earlier, it might have been a different story, but, yeah, so I, I had to sit in the cold for six hours until I was picked up by a minibus. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like a pretty, um, well, pretty exhausting experience after, you know, a very long flight. Yeah. Bear in mind, I'd left on the Monday and it was now the Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> now you recently came out of your 14 day quarantine. Um, could you tell us a bit more about quarantine and what that was like what are the policies like in China yeah so in the hotel itself um it was like I had to scan a WeChat QR code of this anonymous doctor um which I never met I I only you know he wanted all of my details all of my medical history my travel history so that was very futuristic kind of communicating with this doctor who I was never going to meet in person. Um, so obviously the social distancing measures were very strong, strongly in place. And um, I had visits from uh, the doctors. I don't know if they were doctors. They might have just been hotel staff, but they were dressed in, in all of the PPE. And then they did the... the um, the naso throat swab mm. uh, so yeah it was just very simple um and yeah i would just get phone calls on the hotel phone from the foreign office he was claiming to be this guy from the foreign office telling me uh updates on how long i was going to be in there for and what i had to do process of paying and things like that uh but 
that what I eventually realized was that I had been caught between two different policies. So I've got him telling me one policy and then I've got someone else telling me a different policy that I was going to be able to go home. Mm -hmm. So he was saying, okay, you do have to spend the whole 14 days in the hotel. So that was very confusing. Um, and bear in mind, I was very jet lagged and disorientated. So I was very confused with what it was I had to do. Um, so yeah, I just had to, I just had to wait. Yeah. There was a lot of waiting around. Okay. And how, how have you stayed sane while, uh, essentially stuck in your flat for almost two weeks? Well, um, I had, I had some lovely videos that were made from my colleagues who gave me little messages of goodwill and, you know, uh, positivity. So that was really, that was really nice. Um, yeah, I had the entire season of Friends downloaded, <laughs> so the second season of Friends. And I really had to ration it because I thought, oh, you know, I better not binge this, otherwise I'm going to have nothing left. But I had a book just in case. Um, they stay insane, like... Obviously, it's difficult when everything like WhatsApp and Facebook are all blocked. Uh, so for days on end, I didn't hear any news, what was going on. And um, But yeah. Okay, so, so now you're allowed out of your flat. Um, I imagine you've gone shopping and so on. So I was wondering what local life is like right now in, you know, everyday China. Yeah, so... Um, <clears throat> I've had a whole team of volunteers who have been WeChatting me. Uh, sorry, WeChat is a bit like WhatsApp here. And uh, mm. it turned out to be a group of professionals as well as the local volunteers. So I had police officers and doctors all chatting to me, very friendly, um, just telling me, you know, what was expected of me, what was required of me, Um and yeah, they would help me order food and, you know, they, they would always check in to make sure that I was all right, if I'd had lunch, things like that. So that was, that was really nice. Um, that, that was what they'd set up for um, foreign, foreign nationals who live here. Um, mm. So yeah, I mean, I've been out a little bit. It's not as busy as it usually is, um, but I don't know whether that depends on the time of day. Uh, everybody wears a mask obviously if you're not wearing a mask then that's not okay um so it sounds like as well as there here in the UK we've seen a, a surge in the sense of community people volunteering to help neighbors and so on it sounds like in China there's actually a very similar spirit alive yeah I mean all the um all the racism that's going on in the West towards Chinese people or Southeast Asian people is just not representative of what I'm seeing here. You know, they're, they all seem to be in it together. And, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's lots of public health campaign material that I see, even though I don't understand it, I can see little QR codes in like the shape of the coronavirus and things like that. So I could see that they're, they're getting people to communicate. And um, yeah, I even saw a police robot the other day going down the street. Oh, really? Yeah, it was like a little, 
fantastic. <laughs> oh, it was like my eyes became dinner plates. Um, it was, yeah, he was like this, uh, an image of a policeman talking. And obviously he was perhaps telling people to keep their distance from each other. Um, so, yeah. So you might have seen when you were last in the UK that a lot of people have been, for example, hoarding pasta and uh, hand sanitizer and toilet rolls. I wondered if you'd seen anything similar in the Chinese supermarkets. Well, the vibe I'm getting is that there's no need for it, really. I think, you know, when there was the initial outbreak, everybody panicked and masks just vanished off the shelves uh, and there was a shortage. Um but since then, they've certainly caught up. So I've seen boxes and boxes of masks just piling out mm. around the tills and loads of hand sanitizer. And I actually felt quite guilty because I just thought, you know, my cousin recently sent my brother a bottle of hand sanitizer in the post and it got stolen. So oh, he received an terrible. empty envelope. And, I, and then I'm looking at all of this sanitizer. So it's quite frustrating. Um, and I don't think I'm allowed to send anything back to the UK because of uh, the, the policies. Yeah. Mm. So Now, you, you mentioned this earlier that there's been some racism here in the West, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, towards people who are either of Chinese ethnic descent or um, have been mistaken for that, that ethnic background. So I wondered if now that what the West actually has more cases than Asia if you had experienced any racism in China? I don't know about racism. I think I've been treated with suspicion, uh, but I think that that's how it's always been towards foreigners. Um, but yeah, like certainly the, I've, the general feeling I've had is that they're a lot more friendly to Westerners here than Westerners are to Chinese people. Mm. Um, yeah, and friends of mine have told me that's what they think as well. Um, so yeah, I've I don't think I've felt unwelcome. Uh, yeah. Now you were in China for a number of months before coming back over Christmas, uh, and then of course you flew back not long ago. So I wondered if the China you're experiencing now is much different to the way China was before the pandemic? Um, yeah, I mean, things like cafes and restaurants. Uh, I, I haven't seen many people dining in. It's been mainly takeaway. Um, you know, things like McDonald's with all of the touchscreen that has been removed. Um, metro cards are forbidden because they obviously touch a surface. So we all use the little QR codes with the WeChat app. Um, just little things like that I've noticed. Is there anything else you think my listeners should know? Not necessarily no, but it, yeah, it would just be nice if the UK could catch up a little bit because I think the use of technology here is really helpful for example, I'm not allowed to go into a supermarket without a temperature test and a little digital health declaration form, which has three different colours, red, yellow or green. If you're red, you ain't coming in. So I think I think the UK could learn a lot from what's going on now. Um, 
and yeah, just stay inside because that I think that's the main reason China was able to beat this so quickly because of those measures. So instant gratification isn't going to get you anywhere. Now they're all going back to normal life. Yes, well, that's true, isn't it? Because in Wuhan, they just recently had the lockdown lifted. So there's definitely light at the end of this tunnel. Well, thank you, Harriet, for coming on the podcast today. It's been truly insightful learning about your experiences. And I wish you all the best with the rest of your time in China. Thanks for listening to the Graduate Medicine Success Podcast. To learn more about the blog, please visit the website. Please leave a review or rating of this podcast. And I hope to see you in the next episode.